0: This year, we're going to dive in real deep to nutrient density and quality of food. We're going to dive real deep. And we're starting off the year. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited than to introduce to you this guest. This episode of Conrad's Farms is going to be very special, especially if you eat food. Hello, hello and welcome to Comrades in Farms. Uh, we're back again with another episode and this is going to be an awesome episode. This is going to be an episode with Dan Kittridge from the Bionutrient Food Association. I couldn't be more excited or prouder to present to you Dan Kittridge. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Dan, how are you today? Doing pretty well, CJ. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> man. I'm really stoked to have you here on the Comrades in Farms on the pharmacies network, YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, a lot about nutrient density over the years and the quality of agriculture and all, but man, you're one of the guys who really formed the inspiration for me and really set my pathway on fire for that. And I'm thankful for that. So without further ado, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you talk about it. I'd like to hear about what inspired you and how you got started in this and what it's evolved into today and I know you're an excellent public speaker, so I'm just going to cut you loose and let you talk. Where do I want to start? Let me think about that for a second. Um, well, like like, what, what, what caused you to come around to the BFA? Like how did you start into agriculture and that sort of stuff to begin with, I guess, is really the, the root of my question.
1: Well, I can go with my background or I can go with like what was the actual inspiration like. Like what got me to that point, or like what what was the what was the reason that like I wanted to start doing this? Um, well, if they're different, let's let's go through both. All right, so we'll start with the background. Um, yeah, I mean, I I grew up on an organic farm um, uh, in Central Massachusetts. My parents ran an uh, organic farming organization called NOFA for about thirty five years, starting in the mid eighties. Um, they helped <clears throat> write some of the first organic standards, and um, you know, were actively involved in conferences and newsletters and, and events and things like that. So I grew up, I grew up in the in the homesteading, um, alternative ag, back to the land, um, you know, organic culture movement, um, and you know, to a large degree, before it was a word that other people have heard of, right? Before organic was a word um, that most people knew. And so, so I come at this from my, basically my entire life. I didn't, it wasn't like a, a career path choice. It was like, I was four and they bought some land and built a off the, not not off the grid, but pretty much, you know, passive solar wood stove, wood cellar house. And so that's how I grew up. Um, And I would say, uh, you know, after college, in college, after college, I, 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 I never. People was like, "What? What are you gonna do for a job? What's your career gonna be?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know." i mean, having a job is not what I, not what I'm planning to do with my life. <laughs> Such a hard question. <laughs> Who am I? What is life? What am I doing here? Those are my questions, and so uh, I did a lot of, you know, I basically managed the farm in the summertime and then traveled to world in the winter and did all kinds of interesting things with politics and activism and spirituality and stuff like that. Um, And it got to a point where I felt like I had some idea of who I was and what life was and um, what meaning and purpose were. And around that time, um, got married and um, realized that I needed now not just to be able to make enough money to support my backpacking in (laughs) India habit, but actually provide for a family. And so um, I never really had a job per se. I just, you know, managed my parents farm like I did since I was four, nothing really changed, except I got bigger and stronger and, you know, had more experience. Um, And I think that was when I sort of started putting two and two together and realized that a lot of farmers couldn't make a living um, and needed to do something else as a day job. And, um, I was like, so why can't I, and I was struggling, I was having the same experience with pest pressure, disease pressure, failure to thrive, just economics not working out. And like, I was brought up with this idea that organic was better. And so I thought maybe, um, you know, basically if, if, if my plants are suffering from pest pressure and disease pressure, if they're not actually healthy. You know, we we don't really actually have a definition of what healthy is, but being eaten alive by a flesh-eating fungus, being eaten alive by larvae in animals is a sign of poor health. It's actually a sign of poor health in in plants. And so as I began to realize that just because I was not using chemicals and um you know, meant well didn't mean I was doing a good job. It was that sort of foundational humility of plants and nature aren't being eaten alive. Um by insects and disease mostly <laughs> but plants in my field mostly are being eaten alive by insects and disease and maybe that means <laughs> not doing as good a job as I could and that's actually why I can't make a living that sort of focused my mind um and I thought you know I like this lifestyle I like the uh, the homestead I like I think that's a good way to raise kids um um I don't really want to go work for somebody else. I'd love to have my wife able to be home on the land with me and make have a build a little community around us and homeschooling and all that kind of stuff was like as far as like overall quality of life felt very appropriate, but there was still the issue of paying the bills. And so um so I started, you know, trying to learn and read books and go to conferences and and things like that. And um look at that. <laughs> Your background just changed dramatically. I It's <laughs> magic. <laughs> um, you know, long story short, uh, there was a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom out there uh, that I had not been exposed to. And I was, as I was exposed to it and learned and changed my practices, um, <clears throat> shifted my understanding. I got to a point in short order where um, pests were gone, diseases were gone, yields were up. Cost of production was down, economic viability was up. Um, I was making a living working part time, and I was like, uh, if I grew up on an organic farm, and and um, my parents ran an organic farming organization and still do, and I was not aware of these things, then there's probably other people in my community who also are not aware of these things, and so I've got a little free time now, you know, because I'm making a living and. And, you know, farming by itself is nice, but I, I always had this idea of like, I want to have some, a larger beneficial impact in the world. I, you know, I could take my privilege and live my happy little, you know, idyllic country lifestyle, but I just, I felt like I needed to do more. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that's effectively what started the BFA was, was starting to share these ideas um, through workshops and courses and setting up a conference and local chapters um so yeah uh, that was the that's the that's the like the background piece of it i think the the essential the essential insight was that if we can work with nature more well and have the impact of farm viability which also connects to um increasing soil health and ecosystem health which also connects to um increased nutrient levels in food which connects to reversing chronic disease which connects to not needing so much of the pharmaceutical industry if we don't need fertilizers and insecticides and pesticides and therefore we don't need the agribusiness industry if we can you know through working with nature because that seems like basically what it has, what you have to do you have to work with nature to get these things to happen But if you just work with nature, you can solve for a number of systemic, cultural, ecological, political, spiritual, you know, issues that I think a lot of people are troubled by and feeling fairly um, overwhelmed by and kind of like deer in the headlights. Like, we're screwed and there's nothing we can do about it. And (laughs) we'll go to hell in a handbasket And people feel hopeless. This was like you know, 08, 09, uh, 2010. and I was like, I was looking for something to do with myself that that I was, I was like, guys, something's wrong. <laughs> Can you see what's going on with the world? And you know, it was like you know, we're still the we're still the uh, dominant hegemonic power, and we got the privilege and all the all the all that kind of stuff. And I don't think it was. I mean, people could. There was definitely a feeling of like, okay, things aren't great. But um, I feel like now in twenty twenty four. You know, it's much more, um, much more awareness that, um, like, systemically things are not working, and we and we and we, <laughs> we need to do something different. And so, yeah, I mean, that was the insight basically that if we, those of us who are working with the land, um, shift our practices, then we can solve a bunch of systemic issues, and simultaneously, those of us who eat food, which is most people, um, and you know, people who buy food can choose the food that's more nutritious, that's a way where you can be positively impacting reality. Like if you choose of the three bags of carrots on the shelf that you have to choose from, the one that's most nutritious, not only is it more flavorful and your kids are more likely to eat it and have better eyesight, but it's also going to connect with better soil health and ecosystem function and lack lack of toxins in the environment, et cetera. So like, it just feels like a, like a silver bullet, like a couple bottom line, like all these things are connected. And this is one place where a broader social movement can coalesce around building solutions as opposed to fighting problems, because God knows there's plenty of problems out there. But like I was trying to find a way to like systemically build the reality we want to see, like, how do we facilitate that? And how can we deal with the fact that money is, powerful force in today's world and all the good ideas in the world, if you don't have an economic incentive aligned with it, are unlikely to succeed. I mean, I guess I'm in my second half of my 40s now and much more cynical than I used to be, but um, um, yeah, I think (laughs) a key piece of it is the economic, economic driver. Um, we have to not only to figure out what the right things are to do, but to figure out how to make people make a able to make a good living doing it. Um, I
0: couldn't have said it better, Dan. That's really the the core of all of like the ongoing systemic problems that we have. Like if that's like the loop cleaner, it cleans all the pieces of the loop and helps make everything work together cohesively, to basically mimic the natural system,
1: right? I mean, I, I love it. Nature's nature's been doing a good job for. A while and we could just like <laughs> be humble and go along with it and take it lesson, learn, as indigenous cultures have been have done for millennia, right? I mean, it's just like this 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 western cultural blip, you know, you could just see it as a blip in history and and understand that humans have been doing a good job with nature for millennia. And okay, yes, we're a bit out of whack. Now let's go back. Um, that's one way to look at it one way to look at it as the actual vast majority of the time that humans have been on this planet. Um, they've been working brilliantly in harmony with nature and, um, and we can do it again. We can do it again with all of our technology and our science and our machinery and infrastructure, we can turn this, you know, brown planet green again, really fast. Um, you know, you get new bodies every six months, you get a new body every six months. I mean, your bones take a little bit longer. Your blood takes less time, but average it out. Every 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 six months, you get a new body. So, what do you, what do you what You're do you build your body with in this next six months? And yeah. And you can shift a lot of reality <laughs> by taking responsibility for your own reality. Um, yeah. So,
0: so that's great. let That's a great point that
1: I'd like to drill down into
0: more because I know you know a lot about this. Can you go down into nutrient density? And epigenetics a little bit, and maybe touch on those pieces. And uh, I know there's a time to spirituality, mental health. There's a bunch of pieces there. And I know
1: you got a, a really good grasp on that. So could you maybe just give us a little insight? Yeah. Um, so nutrient density is the word that we basically helped to um, create and popularize starting in about 2007, 2008. Um, which is now turning into a word that people have heard um, and are talking about, which is great. It took a few years to get there, but it's definitely building. Um, It effectively refers to the variation in nutrient levels in food. So like I said, this carrot versus that carrot, not carrots versus wheat, but carrot versus carrot. And um, if you look at a bag of carrots in a grocery store, it'll say X amount of vitamin D X amount of, you know whatever carbohydrates um, and the implication there then is that all carrots are uniform and that actually is entirely not true um so it's this unpacking the concept that like there's dramatic nutrient variation in food and it connects to flavor and aroma and human health and soil health and if we were to organize around that as opposed to labels and can I call them dogmas like organic or regenerative or whatever um, that are basically saying black and white, you are organic or you're not organic. Well, you know, some organic food is grown in a way that is not really supporting a high level of life in the soil and is relatively low in nutrition. And some organic food is grown in a way that is supporting high levels of life in the soil and is high in nutrition so they both don't use chemicals but they don't correlate with don't better have nutrition, food. Food. right so i like to use the example of religions and say you know if someone's a presbyterian that doesn't necessarily mean they've got a meaningful relationship with the divine you know just because you're organic does not mean you're producing highly nutritious food you can go to church and still be a, you know, (laughs) 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 you know, there's some Muslims that are, that are brilliantly, you know, spiritual and some Muslims that aren't, and it's not about Muslims are good or Muslims are bad. It's about the people, the individual people. And it's about the individual farm and the individual carrot. It's not about like these big, like broad sweeping labels. So, um, Yeah, that's the concept, is that we go beyond the labels, we go beyond the certification, we go beyond the binary, you know, you are regenerative or not regenerative, you are organic or not organic, we go and we say, okay, there's, let's imagine like it's a scale of 1 to 100, and we could figure out, this carrot is, you know, if we figure out what 1 and 100 are, then we can see whether this carrot's an 80 or that carrot's a 20, and that would be a piece of information that people could have access to, and You know, part of the work is in building the handheld meter, which is the way you would be able to figure it out. So the concept is there's no QR code, there's no certification label, there's no barcode, there's no... I mean, all those things can be there, but the way you figure out what's an 80, what's a 20, is by literally flashing a light at the carrot, And it reads the carrot, which is how we read what stars are made up of light years away and anybody who knows anything about a light year a light year is a long ways away right like this is a
0: light for one year traveling at the speed of light for a whole year that's a speed long of light year.
1: is really fast go that go in one direction that fast for a year that's one light year that's a long ways Yeah. with spectroscopy we can read what stars are made up of millions of light years away so, we can take a picture of a star, uh, we call it 10 million light years away, take a picture of the light coming off of it, we can say, okay, this star is 51% hydrogen and 48% helium and da 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 If we can do that, we should be able to flash out of the carrot, <laughs> which is right in front of us. And, uh, no, I mean, we weren't able to 20 years ago because we didn't have the, I mean, you could do it in a lab potentially, but you couldn't do it at a consumer price point, Um but I mean, I got a smartphone here that's way more powerful than the Apollo 11 lander, which went on the moon. You know, so um, yeah, the basic idea is end game. There's one of the cameras in your phone <clears throat> is a spectrometer, and you can use that to flashlight at the food that's in the store, the grocery store, the farmers market, the you the, know the farm stand. I mean, wherever it is you, you're 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 choosing food, and <clears throat> you can use that to make decisions, Um, 20 out of 100, 40 out of 100. And then tell your friends. There's this amazing thing called social media, which is not whatever, we can talk about the benefits and detriments of social media, but (laughs) the ability to communicate horizontally in real time by the mass populace means that if you had 50 activists in a state that were each going to five grocery stores every week, they could tell everybody else in the state where the good stuff is and where the good stuff isn't, and you know, is Bonnie Love better than Kellogg Organic? Is Walmart better than Whole Foods? I mean, or you know, um, where's the good stuff this week? Um, so yeah, it's 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 exciting. Um, so that's nutrient density, the sort of the grants, the broad strokes and grand vision. Um, I can't remember what the second half of the question was or the second and third.
0: That's I think a- there was.
1: Since you gave me there and I only answered one of them.
0: I got to stop doing that to you. Just give you one at a time. I'm
1: horrible <laughs> with <it. laughs> Or just write down what the second, and third ones were. <laughs> well, let's, let's
0: jump into the nutrient testing one more thing. So have you developed the tool that you can do that with on some level yet? I mean, or, or yes. are you moving toward that?
1: Yes. Um, so at uh, um, 2017, I mean, t- we founded the organization in 2010 and the first number of years were uh working with with growers producers of all scales um in lots of locations and geographies and cultural dynamics and everything else crop types um and teaching what i call these principles of biological systems which is a it's a it's a two-day course um which you can find on youtube if you look up my name or look up the bfa on youtube um it's freely available um i call it my 12-hour stand-up show so, that And then we also hosted conferences for a number of years where we brought in what we thought were the sort of the leading light, you know, critical thinking, bright minds, you know, inspired individual, not necessarily famous, but like, all right, who who's like really cool, got something to offer. And we recorded all those and put those on YouTube as well. So we've got a whole, we've got a whole like bunch of intellectual capital there, which most people don't know what's there and aren't accessing it, but whatever it's worth that was the first two years of the organization and that at some point we said okay it sure looks like working with nature works across the board it doesn't matter you know north south white black rich poor us you know global south big scale small scale perennials annuals you know didn't really matter these basic principles work and so the thesis of like we could actually." have a positively a major positive impact in the world is true. Now, how do we bring it to scale? And that's when we started the research, and that was 2017. And we basically had three questions we wanted to answer. One was, um, do nutrients vary dramatically in food? Because we sure think so, but if we go out to all the databases and all the scientists that are supposed to know about this, they're like, no, not really. Maybe a couple percent, but not really. We're like, we think it's more than that. And then the second question was, you know, if nutrients do vary, is, is that connection to soil health or not? Because uh, we as farmers think it does, but then again, you know, what is soil health and it's a multi-factor system and how do you design a replicated randomized trial at a university research plot to verify, you know, like that's not the way this, those scientists work. we got to figure out a different way of like answering these deeper questions. So do nutrients vary? If they do, do they connect to soil health? And then three, <clears throat> Is it possible to build a handheld meter that you can use to, at a consumer price point, flash a light at something and at a carrot or zucchini and get a reading off of it? Um, so we started, yeah, twenty seventeen built our first. Um, well actually built a built a meter in twenty seventeen, the first meter twenty seventeen um, built the first lab in twenty eighteen. Um, uh, uh, you know, tested our first couple crops. People sent in samples from all over the country, um, grocery stores from his markets, organic, not organic. Um, and yeah, nutrient variations were three X, five X, 10 X, 20 X, you know, Wow. Not small, not 3%, not 5%, 3 X, 5 X as in top to bottom. The carrot with the most calcium had three times as much as the carrot with the least calcium or the spinach with the most polyphenols had 40 times. As many polyphenols as it's been to the lowest level of polyphenols, so it was a you know we're talking serious numbers here, um, and that, yeah, 2018, 2019, we you know got up to six crops and started having farmers send in soil and give us management data as well, so we could overlay management practices against soil metrics against nutrient levels, um, 2020, got a third lab in Europe, um, we got to about 25 different crops that year, um, and by 2021. We had assessed thousands of samples of crop, thousands of samples of soil, dozens of different crops, hundreds of different farms, you know, from all over the place from stores. Every single one of those samples of soil and crop we flashed at with our meter so we could build a spectral data set to overlay against the wet chemistry lab bench stuff. And then we could back calibrate with an algorithm. So by 2021, we were able to release our, you know, second generation handheld consumer-priced calibrated meter for 10 crops. Um, And yeah, for polyphenols and zucchini or for antioxidants and carrots, it will give you a reading. It is not telling you the overall nutrient density in a carrot because we haven't defined that yet. The first thing we wanted to ask was, do nutrients vary dramatically? We think they do, but there's no literature proving that. And so um, I like to say we're trying to hide behind the Western national scientific method, like the principles of science, I think, are good principles. Um, you can, if you follow them honorably, it's like the principles of a lot of religions are good principles. If you follow them honorably, you can pervert a religion and you can pervert science. And <laughs> we're trying to, uh, you know, be honest with science and to answer these questions and do it seriously, and then be able to stand on that, on those those results. Um, And so that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years is taking it from, yes, nutrients do vary dramatically. Yes, those nutrient variations connect to soil health, not to soil type or certification label or individual practice or variety. Um. right? I mean, bolero carrots. We've got some high levels of nutrient levels in bolero carrots and some low levels of nutrients in bolero carrots. We've got some organic carrots that are quite high in nutrients and some organic carrots that are quite low in nutrients. we got some, you know, it, it did not matter whether, the, what I mean, any one of these ways of assessing that a lot of people pay attention to don't connect to nutrition. What does connect to nutrition is the level of soil life the level of life in the soil, the level of the, the function of the microbiome of the plant is what connects to the health, to the nutrient levels of the food. Um, so no real surprise there. I mean, it's kind of what we would have, anybody who <laughs> studied this a little bit or had a little bit of common sense or intuition would probably have said, this is my hypothesis. And yeah, it, just took five years and a lot of hassle. And I got a few gray hairs now and <laughs> some really wonderful donors that have been supporting all this work because it's all done open source and charitable donations. We're not a company. Everything's in the commons. Um, some critical support from people to help get us as far as we are. Um, so, and so now, now we're working on defining nutrient density. We're saying, okay, nutrients vary dramatically. We proved that. That variation connects to soil health. prove proved that. Meters can be built that can be that can test crops in real time. We've proved that. So, okay, grand vision. Like, can we save the world through you know helping people eat better food? Um, and so we have to figure out what nutrient density is because until you've defined nutrient density, until you've set up a scale from one to one hundred, you can't make a meter that tests eighty and twenty. You can't achieve a goal you can't define, right? (laughs) It's a big, it's like a conceptual thing. Like, like I like to use the example of, of the Celsius scale, right? Centigrade people know about this. Like when water freezes, it's zero. And when water boils, it's a hundred and you know, 20% of the way up is 20 and 20% of the way down is 80. And once you've got that scale then you can say, okay, this is the gradation. And then you can use a thermometer and everybody can use the same thermometer. And you can say it's 20 degrees Celsius out at 17 degrees Celsius out. But.
0: And then we can all agree on the same scale and make judgments. And then you know
1: what it is, right? You've got a common language. And, you know, if you, if everybody makes their own thermometer and, you know, they say, okay, this is cold. I'm going to call that zero. This is hot. I'm going to call that a hundred, but They're from Alaska, and these people are from, you know, the Sahara, and it's twenty-five out here. But it's different. You're twenty-five. Like, how do we? How do we find a common language for this? And so, I mean, that's a bit of a metaphor, but, um, yeah. So the 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 process of defining the trait density is is even more expensive. Um, it's about a million dollars a crop, and we are completing our first crop, uh, which is beef, this year, hopefully, twenty twenty-four. Um and uh yeah it's uh it's you know <laughs> i can go into the complicated science of it all or or we can go into other broader topics depending on which what's your interest
0: i know you've got a lot of videos where you discuss the complicated science so i think i'll share links below in that what i'd yeah. like to into because i'd like to expand what you guys are doing even more and make more awareness about it I'd like for you to talk a little bit about what the BioNutrient Food Association is today, what its chapters are, and how that works, so that people, growers, and consumers alike can learn how they can participate in the system and help build this regenerative system faster because that's really what you're all about, isn't it?
1: Um or in part I should Enlightenment is what I'm about, hopefully. (laughs) 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 But I mean sometimes you get sidetracked and you're like, oh no. I got stuck in my ego for 20 years trying to do something that was a pipe dream and uh <laughs> lost my center um <laughs> but but i would like for you to talk a little bit
0: about that because i think that's a, an excellent uh model for people to understand you know, for, to collaborate together to help make more of this happen faster and, and achieve yeah it.
1: yeah i mean i would say the chapters are something that we have never supported as well as I'd like to um i mean we've got lots of lots of big visions and um not a lot of staff um you know the we've been basically prioritizing the research side of the organization since 2017 prior to that it was really much more of a grassroots educational organization and all of our work was was local courses and local events and and our conference and, and things like that. And um, <clears throat> um yeah I mean I mean this still is I think there's a couple hundred people that are on the chapter chapter leader list and um they're all over the world, not just in the US chapter chapters. So Post COVID it seems like there's a it's it's like I don't think we've quite found the found the magic sauce. Um, you know there's there's producers that are you know whether they're small producers gardeners or big farmers that's one constituency there's also people that eat food which is another constituency which is much larger and finding ways to engage that side of things like are we just are we just a, like a a grassroots like <clears throat> how to farm organization or are we trying to take this to a much broader scale and engage the the consuming public um, who, you know, I think with the improvements in YouTube and all kinds of other sort of um, streaming platforms, there's access to a lot of the information now that really was not so readily available five years ago or 10 years ago. Obviously, you have to know where to look because there's innumerable content out there, but um <clears throat> it seems like a lot of the producers who were like hungry to come to conferences or go to uh you know courses because they didn't know this stuff and were like I need to hear it and the way you do that as you go and meet people and ask them questions now they have access to that much more through the through like the YouTube kind of format so um I feel like okay, that's great. That's being done. That's being covered. It's great that we've got this like, you know, framework in place for global, you know, people, practitioners on all, all continents to have access to the information, not just people that can afford conferences in, in, in the U.S. or whatever. Um, so, I mean, one thing we've been talking about with the with the local chapters is is um, until we know what nutrient density is and have meters, well, we still do have this old-fashioned thing called a refractometer, which is really quite good um (laughs) it costs thirty dollars there's no battery it you can use it ten thousand times with no problem until you drop it on the cement floor and break it and then another one costs thirty dollars so it's not a major investment like it's something that you can use right now and like i said if you had 50 people in a state that were each going to five grocery stores a week like well, you could still have fifty people in the state that are going to five grocery stores in a week, and this week we're going to buy carrots, and we're going to bring them home because you got to. With the refractometer, you have to actually squish the, the the food to get a drop of juice out of it to get the reading. You can't just flash a light. That's the the only downside. Um, um, and you can't really squish the apple at the store before you buy it, right? They don't like that. Um, Take a chunk, out of the, take a chunk out of the apple, take a chunk out of the carrot, take a chunk out of the <laughs> pepper or whatever. So um, I'm, you know, toying with that as a way to engage the local chapters um, <clears throat> in a way that can be, you know, supporting people because you have to meet people where they're at. And today's like, it's like a lot of people seem like their lives are very, very full. Like they don't have a lot of extra bandwidth. Um they don't have a lot of extra psychic space. They may want to be part of something beneficial, but just the logistics of life are so carried that <clears throat> they functionally can't and no judgment there. It's just the reality. So how do you, how, like, what's the best, what's like a low hanging fruit? Like what's a really easy way to to connect and to, and to, and to get, you know, go viral and to get above the, above the, the, the noise. And so, um, I'm thinking about that as a as a strategy where we can you know or even five people in a state or 50 people across the country. If we had 50 people across the country and and 25 of them went to a, a whole foods and a walmart in their local area I'd be really curious to know. Paint a this pretty good carrots <laughs> next week apples the week after that you know <laughs> spinach um I mean, what we found in our previous research is that it, it, just because a place is expensive or has a or a crop is is uh, sort of organic, does not mean it's more nutritious. Um, so, I've,
0: I've experienced that variation myself in the grocery store. Like you know, like one week I'll get organic carrots that are from one place, one from another. Like one week, they're really sweet, they're great. The next week I get them, they're bitter. I'm like, well, those weren't growing very well, you know? Yeah. But next week I got some from Europe and I was like, wow, those are super sweet. They're amazing. Like,
1: yeah. They're truly amazing variation. Uh, the variation is massive. I mean, people know from having eaten tomatoes off the vine in August and tomatoes for off the store shelf in January or, I mean, i like to use the example of a peach because like the difference between a ripe peach off the tree... straight into your mouth versus a what they call a peach that was hard and you had to let it sit until it was soft and it still wasn't soft, but it was kind of, it wasn't so hard anymore. Like there is such a massive difference that you as an animal can discern between this peach and that peach. And that is a massive difference. It's a massive nutritional difference. Um, and, uh, it, you know, you're more likely to eat it. It's better for you. Your kids are more likely to eat it. It's better for the earth. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, facilitating that access to like, okay, this week is Donald's has better, um, you know, overall vegetables or these these vegetables at Donald's are good and these vegetables at Big Wire are better. And Trader Joe's has amazing blueberries this week. You know, I don't know. I just think about there's all kinds of ways that we could try to engage the broader populace. But your, your question was about the, the the grassroots work of the BFA and and how people can plug in. Um, you know people do this thing called donate um you know if they've got a somebody they follow some you know there's a patreon pages and then and sometimes people donate to NPR or to um you know they've got a monthly subscription for Netflix um you know five bucks a month for the BFA you know is actually real like if if you did it Great if you got ten people to do it, amazing. This is a grassroots project. I mean, this is a it bottom up, foundationally where we're at in the process is we have to get the science done, upon which this whole strategy like is you know founded, and it takes money to do it. And I'm sorry to say it, but um, you know I like the Bernie Sanders model of like grassroots small dollar support. Um, uh, So that would be also a very powerful thing you can do. Go to the website, Bionutrient.org and uh, sign up for a $5 donation.
0: And hey, let's just talk about the Bionutrient.org website a little bit. You guys have a lot of information on that site there too. So let's just tell people a little bit about the tools you guys have on there. You guys have a lot of information. Don't
1: you? Yeah. (laughs) We have Bionutrient.org, which is a general sort of how-to and there's webinars and Podcasts and recordings. Um, there's the BioNutrientInstitute.org, which is where all the science stuff is, all the the research reports and the engineering for the meter and and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's actually BioNutrient.net as well, um, which has our old website, which has all kinds of pages on it. Um, so, yeah, I mean. A awesome. bibliography and book re- book reviews and and you know <laughs> i think the youtube channel though is is really good because we have all of our old conferences there um i think you can get to the youtube channel from the org site but um but if you just look up bio Nutrient food association on youtube you'll uh, you'll you'll get to that point where um at least i find myself like you know if i'm doing the dishes or chopping wood or or whatever I've got my phone in my pocket. I got my earbuds on, and I am very um, entertained (laughs) by by content on on YouTube. So I think if for people who are looking for like that, I, I think I mean, I think we're humans, and we grew and like evolved in culture with community and and story and myth, and you know, being able to listen to someone you know, speak long form or listen to a, a conversation long form. Um, to me, I think is a it's, I mean, it's not like being at a conference and meeting people, but it also is stimulating you and providing you access to things that you wouldn't necessarily have. So um, um, not that I'm excited about the fact that everyone's on screens and not having meals together, but, uh, you know, we are where we are, do the best you can with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> use the tool uh, to the most positive benefit uh,
1: do, yeah yeah I, it, <clears throat> <clears throat> if you drive to work if you have a job if you drive to work you know i mean are you just listening to the listening to the radio or are you doing something you know trying to trying to um improve yourself um yeah this yeah this- so we, we definitely have have built over the last 15 years i mean i think we're 15 years old now um quite a Uh, a a, a canon of of material that um, yeah, I would like to have people access as much as possible because I think there's a lot of value value there. I couldn't
0: agree more and this YouTube channel that we're on today was inspired by you and John Kent was talking to 2013 NOFA conference. That dramatically changed my life and my perspective. I've been forever grateful you guys for that so
1: the bfa conference you're talking about the soil nutrition conference
0: 2013 nofa bfa conference that you guys did you had john kempf talk and uh, yeah you and uh boy, it's been a long time but uh there were a bunch of names there from massachusetts connecticut area northeastern guys and man what yeah. an awesome conference and that really I I think we had john
1: slack and david uh, yeah uh, yes yeah. derek and david and eric yeah. yeah derek christiansen yep yeah, derek derek. Christensen, yeah. 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 Uh, brian o'hara maybe was brian was o'hara there. yes
0: yeah. uh, actually i think that was 14 or 15 but that's awesome too the korean natural farming stuff was just amazing information yeah, yeah. so this is all yeah. bio nutrients this is all that's
1: the soil and nutrition conference that's that's our conference yeah the, with the first couple of years we did it in partnership with nofa and then they said, you know, go for it, take it over. Um, but yeah, that's the Soil nutrition Conference. We did that for ten years. Um, yeah,
0: awesome, awesome information. So, <laughs> so that's what inspired me. So, uh, anyway, uh, so we got through all of that. We did. Did we talk about DNA stuff at all? Epigenetics,
1: or? I think, was one of the points you wanted to bring up. Epigenetics in to human health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think something people you know kind of know but don't you know necessarily think about all the time um you it's like you understand that the health of the mother is connected to the health of the baby right and um you've got your genes sure but then you've got your like your health status and how you treat your body like you can have whatever identical twins and one of them treats their body well and one of them treats their body poorly and you're going to have different life health outcomes. That's called um, epigenetics, The how the environmental conditions ex, you know affect your genetic expression. And um, the reality is that a lot of us have um, ourselves and our parents, and depending on how old we are, our grandparents as well, who ate a lot of things that, never existed before the 1940s and 50s, right? There's a lot of products that are called food that are nutritionally very different from what humans have been eating for millennia. And in many cases are imbalanced or deficient. And so if you have a lifestyle where for decades you eat food that's not particularly good, And then you have a baby that goes on eating food that's not particularly good. Maybe some good food, but a lot of processed junk. I would call it not food. I'd call it junk. Um, You know, three generations into that process, and they've done this with chickens and pigs and rats and all kinds of animals, right? They did this. They definitely did this work in the university research in the 50s, like, Take your take your rabbits and feed them poorly for three generations and <laughs> see what happens. And then feed them well for three generations and see what happens. You know, you can wear out the DNA in a couple generations where you basically have high levels of chronic disease, um uh, epidemic levels. We talk with chronic disease or diseases not not cured, but diseases that are managed. Like diabetes is managed, osteoporosis is managed, cancer is managed, heart disease is managed. Um, in the Western conventional medical system, the AMA model right now <clears throat> these diseases of of you know Western society are um, are incurable and they're increasing at epi- you know epidemic levels and it sure looks like, there's a nice connection there <laughs> between what we've been eating for the past couple of generations and and how much we're falling apart so I mean, you got some weight there right like you can't affect now what your mother ate when she was 12 it's too late um but understand that you may have a weaker system than your grandmother had because of what's been consumed in the past couple of generations and not to mention the other environmental pollutants, toxins and, and Wi-Fi and, you know, psychic stress and who knows what all, depending on where you come from. But, um, you know, these are real things. And and the point is that if you can break something, you can fix it. You know, if you can wear out the land, you can revitalize the land. If you can wear out your DNA, you can revitalize your DNA. Um, and, you know, it. so that's basically what it comes down to is, I've I've been saying this for years, like bring on the cataclysm, bring on the collapse because as I understand the way humans work in like masses and unconsciously, like if there's a threat that's a ways away, we'll be like, Oh, there's a threat over there, but we'll keep, you know, fighting and laughing and, you know, (laughs) dancing and whatever else we're doing over here. And like, when it gets close, like, Oh, it's getting close. And then it's like, Oh, it's right there. And we all, figure out what to do about it. The fight or flight. Like we're really good when there's a problem immediately. And, um, you know, the climate you could argue is becoming a problem is fairly immediate. Um, but that's kind of big. I think in a lot of people's cases, there is a really visceral issue right now, which is their level of health and, or maybe they've got children or perhaps, you know, siblings or, or a spouse or, You know people they love and care for who are not doing well and they may feel um at a loss um i you know what particularly bothers me is when children and 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 people that are in their teens and in their 20s are are coming down with fairly life-threatening illnesses um and they haven't really ever had a chance to figure it out, right? I mean, they got fed what they got fed and because they're three generations in and they've got IBS or they've got some kind of cancer or major hormonal imbalance, which is connecting to psychological issues. Um, I mean, you wanna talk about child abuse, um, you know, feeding kids junk, it's right up there. I mean, you will kill your children by feeding them junk at this point in time because you're so weak, because your parents were weak, because most of us have been eating the products of this industrial um, supply chain. I don't really call it food. So, you know, let's just name that. Let's just accept that. Let's acknowledge that and say, and we have the power to turn this around. We can change it we can if you can i think if you can if you can break it you can fix it um and and we've got new life on our side nature is really powerful nature is really powerful and she'll take you out if you just fall below a certain level of vitality and that's just called life but if you can build your vitality back up and you know understanding you know that through good food you know um you can revitalize um and also simultaneously help the ecosystem revitalize. I just think that's a really powerful, powerful story. And I know some people are just like giving up and like, well, I'll trust the doctors and you know, you gotta die sometime. But um, for those of us who don't want to, for those who want um, more out of life and, and still have a little bit of spit and vinegar in them, <laughs> I think this is a really important, a really important conversation. And, and the problem is if you wanna turn around and start healing yourself, and most of the food out there is also devoid of nutrition, it's really hard. So being able to figure out where the good stuff is, is key, right? You need to not have the empty carrot and the empty milk and the empty bread. You need to be able to find where the good stuff is that you can actually physiologically be rebuilt from. Um, um, So yeah, there's processing food, turning it from some natural food into a processed product which obviously is pretty much categorically detrimental. Um, and then there's like, okay, it's still real food, but it's relatively weak in comparison to what it could be. So let's find the better stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a long ramble, but hopefully.
0: No, you're right on point, and I and I, I want to go one one level deeper on that. You know, I have a very personal story about that. It's not just about you know dying younger or older. It's about the quality of your life at the end of your life. And my dad just passed away recently with osteoporosis, broken back, all these health issues. And because of the way he was eating, I was trying to help him eat better. He wouldn't. So I watched him suffer for a year and a half.
1: Yeah.
0: And he didn't have to.
1: There's a lot of people who are suffering and don't have to. It's it's really, I mean. Sorry, no, but- no, no, don't be, nothing to be sorry about. It. This is real. This is the real deal. It's the real deal.
0: That's the real deal. So, yeah, we're about health. We're talking about longevity and quality of life as well. We're not just talking about longevity.
1: Well, that's the real thing. Is like, like what's the level of capacity you have to positively affect reality or are you just a a burden on the system? And, you know, are you willing to like stand up and say, I want to actually be a, you know, a a positive, a positive force in the world. And um, I really think it's really hard to be positive if your vitality is low. If your vitality is low, you can't, you can't, be the person you want to be. It's like, you know, it's a foundational dynamic. So
0: I can totally attest to that I've been through extreme sickness and weakness in the past couple of years uh, due to bad habits, bad eating habits, bad health habits in general. I went through a bad marriage and I rebuilt my health. And I'll tell you what the amount of energy and, and focus and vitality I have today compared to what I was a year and a half ago, Yes.
1: Yeah. Dramatically different. Dramatically different. There's no. There's. It's. It, it, it's massive. As yeah. long as you're going to be alive, why the hell not? I wake up happy every day.
0: <laughs> <I wake up laughs> to every single day, even with yeah. no challenges ahead.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, and 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 we're just talking about food here. We are not talking about emotions and relationships and and thought patterns and all that kind of stuff, which are all obviously part of the puzzle. Um, and childhood traumas, and generational trauma, and I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that we gotta deal with, but it's going to help you face all the rest of it if you got a little bit of vigor and vitality in here.
0: (laughs) Right on, dude. Right on. Is there anything else you want to share with people here? I know your time is uh, running low here, so uh, I don't want to hold you up, but if you have anything else you wanted to share or talk about, I don't want to miss it.
1: Oh, God. Um, I think we've covered a lot of bases, actually. Uh, it's great to see you and talk to you again. It's been years and years. It's um, um, it's yeah, great to, great to reconnect, and um, I hope people find this, you know, valuable and, and, and inspiring and, and, um, you know, can look to the work we're doing as a, as a place to be empowered themselves if they're growers or, you know, join the organization, Um, you know, be an activist member, get out there. I mean, I really think, I mean, I'm just still, still, still formulating it right now, but, but struggling with how to engage people really post COVID, like where's the, where's the juice where do you like where i can't i haven't been able to quite figure out like back here in the physical plane is it possible for people to engage in some fashion that they have energy for and that you know they can we can do something or is, are we just like spinning okay, wheels. everybody's online and that's just where you live and how you engage
0: i'm really trying to figure that out too it's exactly mm-hmm. that change the dynamic so uh, let's just keep working on it hey maybe we can a conversation in another year or so and check back and uh and see how it's evolved and, and maybe we'll both have a better idea maybe you'll have a better picture of that we can give people some more guidance on how to kind of keep building it better
1: yeah yeah step by step step by step the process <laughs> life is a process that's not what the bad the people say yeah that's it's a process <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. cool great well thank you very much cj
0: Thank you very much Dan. Uh yeah. Have a great one. Happy New Year and happy 2024 to you. Thank you. Much love yeah. oh, like this. Oh boy. Here's my blue. I love blue. See, I got blue all through here. <laughs> but yeah, that's okay. What are that one too? That's Good boy. Very nice. How about this one.
1: She's <laughs> actually
0: all oh, right, go back to my guess. <laughs> well, that looks pretty good. That's a, that's a nice secure thing. Did you get them all? The chipmunk had all the blueberries. And the bees are, that's, that's weird me. That's for psychosis, if you ever have any. <laughs> <laughs> Which you may at the end of this day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. um, Gerda is, is cons- yeah, more water, sure. There you go! Refill! Get them all! (laughs) He's escaping (laughs) while he can. (laughs) He probably needs to. It's been quite a day. So Gerda said, well, maybe they're just tired. Maybe we shouldn't try to do popovers in the morning. She said, maybe we should just... I don't know what she's thinking, but she'll say something to you about it, probably. Uh, we'll be at the hospital so good job, Ronan good job, man